How many people want to kick some ass? Okay, welcome back to EnterTheRealWorld.com. One last time, finally, this stupid podcast is over. It's I say it's stupid. I'm having fun watching these movies and talking about them. This is Kiki Punchy Men. That's the stupid part. Episode 5, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Ben Phillips, you love a film that's got too many bits of title attached to it, don't you? I do, but I'm kind of sad that this movie doesn't get stupid with its titles. Hmm. It's not like Fast and Furious, where each movie is a stupid variation <laughs> of what came beforehand. Like, it's quite a logical progression the with the John Wick series. Furia. Rambo and Fast and Furious are two of the best. Oh god, Rambo. <laughs> first Blood Part 1. No, no, it's First, bl- first, first Blood, blood first then, blood, it's, part then it's Rambo. Rambo. No? Yes. Uh, or is it Rambo First Blood Part 2? One second. We must know this now. Rambo franchise. Right, the movies go. First Blood, Rambo, colon, First Blood Part 2. <laughs> Rambo 3, Rambo, Rambo, colon, Last Blood. Yeah. <laughs> Which should have just been called Last Blood. Yup, but Rambo is what people know them as. That's the thing. It's like Scorn and John Wick. Anyway, uh, released May 2019, so yeah, they're delivering them roughly every two years. I don't know what's going to happen because of lockdown and everything delaying filming. Which was it that they've delayed? Is it Matrix? They're going to try and actually start back up soon, but John Matrix Wick Matrix was filming and John Wick was going to take less time because obviously there's less special effects and stuff like that. So John Wick has been delayed. I don't know how long, but mm. we're going to miss out on our glorious Keanu I, Reeves double end. I do think the gentlemanly thing to do would be to delay both movies to make sure they do come out at the same time again. Were they <laughs> literally billed for the same weekend or was it just the same year? No, the same weekend. Jesus Christ. That must happen. I must find a way. Chad Seleski is back. Leach is still gone. Still has the executive producer role. He's off doing a, a controversial thing with Deadpool 2, which they finally recently settled that case with the stunt per- stunt worker. I think it was like $300,000 or something. So mm. a drop in the bucket. Now, this I find interesting, because I think everyone agrees this is the weakest of the John Wicks. See, some people I know think it's the best. They're crazy. So, (laughs) written again by David Colstad, but for the first time, co-written by Shane Hatton, who is in charge of The Ballerina, which is like a spin-off from John Wick, and that makes sense given the scene we see here with the ballet and everything, and he's writing The New Army of the Dead. Also written by Chris Collins of The Wire and Sons of Anarchy, and Mark Abrams of The Bernie Mac Show and Entourage. That is a very weird collection of writers, and to do two pretty successful movies with just one writer, and then to decide we need four writers on this. And specifically, like, you know, one of them just feels like, right, I'm part of the team and I'm off to make my own thing, so I'm going to be on this one for continuity. But then the other two, it just feels like, why have you gotten a guy that is known for, like, big prestige TV shows and a guy that's come from, like, comedy? I don't want to say this is the worst one because it has four writers, but I do look at that and think, well, the others only had one writer. I wonder how much of it is Derek Holstaff going off to maybe start doing Falcon and Winter Soldier at some point in the middle of all this. I guess. And maybe he was distracted. He's he's juggling too many too many things at this point. Maybe Lionsgate or he came up with a pitch of like how to extend the franchise but they weren't happy with it, like or he wrote the first script or the first draft and it was gonna be a conclusion to the franchise and he wasn't available to kind of retool it into being a more open ended than it ended up being. Yeah. Maybe like, they I, just I, brought I, these people in to make it more of a keep the wheels spinning type of film. And I think that's my main issue with it, is... It just well, feels this... like 
John Wick on autopilot. To me. Yeah, there's there's two issues, and it's number one is I'm happy to have more of this movie. I'm happy if you want to do more sequels, but it does feel like they were building to something and they just end the movie in the exact same place that we started it in. Yep. And my other issue is, whilst the action is cool, they stretch out pretty much every single fight in this movie to about two minutes longer than they should be. And It feels just... like this is the one where it's become a huge mainstream deal. Keanu has really hit the heights of being... He's Keanu again. And this feels like them being like big and commercial and ridiculous in some ways more than the second one where like the second one is we'll give you more money to make um, a bigger more confident version of what you made the first one and then this is the one where like it feels like the studio are fully involved and are like right this is john wick this is a temple franchise now well the thing is i think this is this is Lionsgate's biggest hit in almost five years. Yeah. Like, they had the Hunger Games movies, and they were obviously huge, successful, and John Wick has slowly built up and up and up. And you can see it in the same thing with Knives Out, where they immediately commissioned a sequel to Knives Out after Knives Out was one of their highest-grossing movies yeah. ever. They love a hit, don't and they? I think, <laughs> the worst thing is, I think Lionsgate had been lacking for a hit, and now, yeah. in one year, they had two, and they're like, well, we're not going to let John Wick go away as long as Keanu's capable of doing them. Yeah. And I'm not going to begrudge them for wanting to do more. I just kind of wish they let this phase of the story end. Because unless you're going to say the end of this story is John Wick dies, there's nothing to say that you couldn't finish this section of the story and have a conclusion to whatever's going on here and then just carry on making cool movies with this kind of thing. They are expanding the world. Like, we have the Adjudicator and the Elder and the Ruska Roma and all of that. But then it just feels very also ran. And for two films in a row now, he's gone to a great deal of effort to do something overseas. And then he has to make it back to the heart of New York against all the odds. And it has one of the most is that it endings I think I've ever seen. I'm pissed off, are you? And he just goes, yeah. I feel like we've achieved very little here because there was an open hit on you at the beginning and I feel there is there must be an open hit on him if he's known to have survived. Um, well, that's the thing is, I think th- the start of this movie is possibly my favourite section of any John Wick movie. Like, in comparison to the start of John Wick 1 where I'd cut all of it out, the most exciting stuff is this kind of high-tense action sequence as everyone's coming for you from every angle it's kind of like the montage in two but made longer yeah because you start off with him going to the library and he's trying to find one particular book that's got a marker and a crucifix inside we don't know what's going to happen here's big boban boban Marjanovic, nba player seven foot four or something like that and he kills him with a motherfucking book he fucking does he's great boban is really charismatic and like you see him grab john by the face and I don't I don't know if it's still up, but someone at some point was running a Tumblr called Boban Holds Things. And it's <laughs> just him just touching normal objects and you see how ridiculously small they are in his hands. And it's a delight. I don't want to make him a freak show attraction, but like, yeah, he is a great fucking human being. And I was thrilled to see him turn up in this. And he gets one of these really cool... He feels like a Bond villain, you know? Just mm. they found some freak of nature giant dude. And he has this funny little exchange with John, and then he gets murdered the fuck out of with a book. And it's just because he great. tries to break the rules and like kill him early. Yeah, I found John Wick. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to let anyone else find him. I'm in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and it's like you know, I'm freakishly tall. <laughs> yeah. 
it's 10 minutes early, who's gonna know? I do like that on some level John was relying on nobody else checking out this book of Russian folk tales because it's just hollowed out with a picture of his wife, the necklace, and a marker. And it's just like, and I, I believe this, uh, this collection of tales is the first mention of Baba Yaga in Russian folklore. So that's. Of course it is, of course yeah, it is. Of course, the woman with the chicken legs. Her house has chicken legs. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Him trying to get to the library and like checking his watch constantly and by the by he's a freak who wears his watch inwards i can't get behind these people this is where you tell me you wear your watch inwards no i don't wear a watch no. oh you just don't wear a watch that's more normal to me than people who wear the watch face on the wrist like the inside of the wrist i get it though because i can see it being an easy emotion to like look at the inside <sighs> of your wrist and the outside of your wrist i'm not saying it's rational i don't do I, I don't do either i'm not saying it's rational i'm not saying it's logical it's just weird to me that someone would not wear it facing outwards but anyway yeah him trying to get across new york and jason manzoukas is there as the TikTok man. The like, most random cameo in this thing. Where I he believe he said... does nothing. I believe he said on a podcast, on his podcast, How Did It Get Made? Which is very funny. I would love to be in John Wick 3 or something like that. Just as a throwaway comment. And then I don't know if that's what led to him being in John Wick 3. But here he is. He's cropping up more and more in recent years. He's fucking everywhere man like he is bill hadering his way into everything <laughs> yeah and like getting in a cab but then realizing there's too much traffic i'm never gonna make it so he just gives the cab driver a coin and sends dog to karen also i like that the dog has no name so whenever i did my notes i just called it dog with a capital d um <laughs> just, you know, it doesn't have a name so it's just dog and then he has this big fight with boban and he makes it to the doctor who is counting down to the second when he should stop working on him and then he has to finish himself. And it's just like, that the high table might know that he worked an extra 10 seconds or directed him to which medicine to use. It's like, really, are they this good? And in this world, yes, apparently they are. Because he has to put two bullets in him to make it believable. And that's, that's a really good scene where he's just pointing to where and he hits him. And he's like, be careful not to... And he just shoots him. Yeah, like, he's, John Wick is such a good shot that he can shoot the guy in the exact right non-lethal part to shoot him. Yeah, uh, that he is infinitely competent is sort of the charm of the character. And then, like, something that bothers me, again, like, we, we talked about potentially broken continuity with him getting two markers, but they send all the alerts out the second that the contract goes live, but didn't we already, at the end of the second one, and in the scene before this one, have everyone dramatically looking at him and going after him? They I know there's just, a difference they, they between... Get, they, get the, they get the warning to say, like, in an hour he's going to be out there, which is why you have Ernest coming after him in the library. Like, they've had the pre-warning text that it's going to happen. It's just the second text is, right, go now. It just feels a little bit like treading on the same ground. Just, yeah, like, just... we're, we're doing a sequel, we need to flash back a little bit so that yeah. they don't really line up. In a binge, you might miss out on a certain factor of it, but it's more so that the audience at home who are watching this two years later... Yeah, I, I get why they did it. It's just, yeah, now we're watching all of these in a row like this. It's something where I'm like, oh, hmm. So his contract is open. He fights off the first sort of big wave. You are undercutting this massively. This is the best fight sequence in this goddamn franchise. I... <sighs> Knife fight. He's in a room full of knives, and oh my god, it's. I know. Incredible. I look. I like him throwing knives. I like him two-hand tomahawking the guy from way in the distance. I like. He throws like seven knives into one I guy. Know, knife, 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 knife to all of his limbs. It's all really, really good. I'm not trying to undercut it. 
I like the insanely slow eye stab as well. Oh, it's so good. Really gross. Him taking a ridiculously long time to custom assemble a gun. Yes, I love it. I love all of it. Just to fire a single bullet and then he's immediately to throwing knives. It's kind of brilliant. I was like, oh, okay, so now he's got a gun. It's like, nope, he has a bullet. He just pops the first guy through the door in the face, and oh. then he's straight onto knives. Yeah, it's really good. I'm not trying to undersell it. This entire sequence gave me such a huge sense of a smile. I was watching this movie. We did all three of them in a row at home, like a year afterwards. So my first time watching them, not in a cinema, and I was like, "Oh God, is John Wick three going to be a masterpiece and better than every other one?" Like, because I'm just grinning from ear to ear from just this entire first stretch of the movie where it's just escalating and escalating and escalating. I'm like, how can they keep this up? How can they do it? And the knife fight is just so goddamn good because it's all in one contained small area and you know how many guys there are and it's just it's hyper violent in a way the series really hasn't been up to this point because we've had gunshots and fake blood in that way but this is the first time it gets properly visceral i mean the answer to how are they going to keep this up is they can't but yes i agree this opening stretch in the same way the first one starts really 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 well and the raid 2 starts really 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 well him having to flee the country feels so logical and earned Um, and we know he's not just trying to get out of the country because obviously it's a global contract he's trying to go somewhere but you can relate to i gotta get the fuck out of here because it feels like there is a noose tightening around his neck and he you know he gets the better of every exchange and he never feels like he's in true true danger but it does feel so relentless and like a cacophony of people just coming for him and you know they do the goofy horse stuff horses kicking people to death turns out kind of rules but also it's very silly i don't really like the horse bike chase bit i enjoy it it's definitely a step down from knife fight but then knife fight is <laughs> knife is fight is good life knife fight is brilliant i will i will agree but yeah that. it's all good fun and then it does have to slow down and i feel like the one thing is is that is there any hint that John Wick is from Eastern Europe? Before really? this one? Yeah. Well, I mean, they call him Baba Yaga, for one thing. But that's that's the thing, is, like, I don't know if it's, like... Cause it's and he never works offense... for a Russian mobster. So. But that's the, that's the thing, is, like, I feel like it is an elegant piece of tying the back matter together in that, like, oh, well, of course he works for the Russian mobster because he's from that part of the world. Mm. But it feels like John Wick isn't a particularly eastern european name there's never any referenced uh, oh well, no sorry they do they, uh, they do call him giardani giardani giovanovic yes which means like garden son of john so there yeah. you go yes i am a i am a child of the tribe of belarus and you must help me he says to angelica houston very fun Who's great yeah very fun scene love angelica houston the ruska roma the the ballet like and yeah they they do have this planned as a spin-off i think it's going to be a tv show but or maybe it's a movie but yeah so this on the surface of it it's a ballet and then they go backstage and there's like the people doing the greco-roman wrestling and stuff and she's like memories and you know he uses this very judo-y style with takedowns and stuff and it's like okay this is clearly where he, he was trained these aren't just ballerinas this is a also a like assassin school of some kind and it's you know, it's not the same as Hogwarts, but you know, it's good. I think inherently the idea of a school dedicated to learning something that isn't real life school, like a school of magic, it's, a school of assassinry, it's just inherently exciting. Like Black Widow. Yes. And like, I don't know if that's and... supposed to actually be the Red Room, but yeah, the, the whole Age of Ultron, the, the dream sequence flashbacks there, like, yeah. 
and it's an interesting extra wrinkle to it. Like it's almost they are treated as a separate faction to the rest of the high table are the Ruscaroma. And they have their own thing because he has to cash in his necklace, which is a passport basically, or a ticket, and she snaps it off from the rosary chain and then brands him to mark that his ticket has been stubbed or whatever. But I do like this as another wrinkle and yeah, as you say, it establishes him as as Belarusian rather than anything else. So yeah, but in the background of all of this and sort of cutting back and forth between, the Adjudicator arrives, played by Asia Kate Dillon, because Keanu Reeves loves Billions. I have never seen Billions as Billions a good show. Asia Kate Dillon is fantastic on that show and in this movie. Yes, I agree. I like that the Adjudicator has their own coins. They're differently coloured, aren't they? They're like black with gold trim rather than just a gold coin. And her putting Mm. that down on the table, Karen immediately is like, ah. And then it's like, there's an Adjudicator here to see you. I really enjoy John Wick's subtle hiring of actors whose gender isn't immediately like obvious because mm-hmm. obviously asia kate dylan is non-binary i think they use neutral they do they use neutral pronouns but i'm fairly sure the adjudicator is female asia kate dylan is they and i am saying adjudicator is she but i yeah no that's that's the thing is i don't think the movie makes it explicit but no. but yeah uh, there's it, certainly it, it, it's a just, sense it's just, of after after ruby rose yes in, in john wick 2 to hire another prominent non-binary gender fluid mm-hmm. actor for this role yeah. is is just a really nice thing to see in this franchise and like you know seeing the reunion of keanu reeves and Lawrence fishburne i think a lot of people were sort of fantasy casting carrie Ann moss to take this role who is another somewhat androgynous actress i mean i feel that's just kind of the old image of Hollywood would find her to be androgynous, because, I mean, she's not, really, other than she has slightly short hair. But I wonder if maybe she'll show up in 4 as, like, one of the Bowery King's allies or something, or maybe it'll just never happen, but... yeah, I mean, the logical thing to do would be to stick her on the high table. Yeah, but yeah, the, <laughs> sorry. the adjudicator is here to basically grill Winston, because Winston did not immediately punish John for killing somebody on Continental Grounds, and basically the adjudicator is here to put everybody on notice, like, gives Winston a week until he's going to be removed from his position in the Continental, goes to the Bowery King and is like, you have seven days to abdicate your throne, and he's like, bitch, fuck off. I love his line about the information super flyway, no IP addresses when he's talking about his pigeons and then the adjudicator goes and hires Zero and his people and they just fucking cut loose seeing them emerge from the shadows at, at the uh, at the ballet and seeing them walk in between from like the back of the stage walking to the front in between the ballerinas is very fun they stab her through the hands it's gross and then uh, the Bowery King gets seven cuts and he's like, sometimes you've got to cut a motherfucker. And it's like, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne, when he actually gives a shit, is still a really engaging actor, isn't he? <laughs> They're sort of working in the background while John is off doing what he's doing and Zero is just kind of, you know, a fanboy for John Wick. And Mark Dacascos is like an incredibly accomplished martial artist and I think Keanu had like very high praise for both, obviously, the two guys from the raid, Yayan and Chechen, but also uh, Mark Dukaskos for the the, the final uh, confrontations and like how much they pushed him as a performer and like I'm pretty good for a Hollywood person but these guys actually know their shit but they just don't have 
and and Mark Dukaskas particularly does not have what Carmen had, where it it feels like it's supposed to be a similar thing, where it's like they've learned their lesson from one where there wasn't a consistent henchman, so they've introduced one, but it's just this is just someone who's good at fighting. It doesn't have the emotional through line that Cassian did, and I guess it's as good as Ruby Rose. But... Yeah, I think I think it, the two main weaknesses are he disappears for too much of the movie because the movie's too long. I hear you. Yeah, but also <laughs> because like when they bugger off to Casablanca, the movie takes a lot lot to kind of get back on track. Mm-hmm. And the other issue is is he is just another hired gun, and I think that's inherently less interesting in this world. Is I understand that an awful lot of people who are employed are people who are hired guns, and we got a great mileage out of that first scene where people are just trying to get money. But mm-hmm. this here feels like, as you said, it's missing that extra something to make it more interesting. I don't know what it is that you add in there, because the issue is, is John Wick isn't going to have that many enemies, because he seems like just a guy that people like. We didn't really talk about it in the first one, but like all the women are like so thirsty for John Wick, and like everybody that knows his name is either afraid of him, or is like, ah, John, how are you? Yeah. Because he's like, like you know, he's the either... assassin with the heart of gold kind of thing. He only does the job, or whatever it is, and the only person who's ever had a reason to dislike him are yes. Sophia and Cassian. Well, let's talk about Sophia, and let's talk talk about them fucking off to Casablanca because Halle Berry is fucking great in this movie in my opinion. Yeah, Halle Berry is great. The dog stunts are great. Yes. And Jerome like, Flynn's accent another... is dodgy as shit. <laughs> yeah, we get another random Game of Thrones actor showing up for a lot less payoff than Alfie Allen. Yeah, he's uh, just there to be a shitbag that like, you know, he's like the master of coin. I do like the world building of it. He has the first coin and the first marker. Um, yeah, I and... feel like my main issue here is that a lot of the world building, like I like Sophia as the head of the Continental Hotel in Casablanca. I like that, but there are so many of them around the world and John Wick is personally friends with with that manager but a lot of the stuff that they introduce outside of new york in this movie to build on the mythos feels like it feels out of place they're over- yeah they're overregging it it's like oh so what is his role exactly he used to run the rock and continental he ra- he ra- or- he, yeah he used to run the yeah exactly he used to be sophia's boss and then she got the job on condition she serve under the table and he's like the head of the the biggest mint in the world for them or whatever i don't know he, or he's the right. master of coin i don't know but it, so that works but it's like they add in that okay well here's a person above this person the one like, who okay. sits above the table the elder and like yeah and they're delving into this stuff that will be very familiar with you if you're a fan of the assassin's creed series with like you know hashashin and followers of hassani and like you can trace it back to the middle east the word assassin and everything and yeah like wander in the desert and then collapse and then he'll find you and then you have to have your finger cut off and all of this stuff like i appreciate they keep trying to build it out like this and it is something a bit different but it feels a bit detached from what they were building in one and two where yeah you've introduced the high table and the adjudicator is a great addition to that where like this is put someone in the employ of the high table and the high table gets to retain their mythos but then to introduce the man who sits above the high table it just gets a bit exhausting who is like younger than everyone else in this franchise yeah and and it's just like okay i understand what you're doing is that you needed someone to kind of overwrite what was happening but 
to not even introduce any member of the high table beyond Santino and beyond Santino, yeah, like to then have someone who is above them and overrides them in this movie, and yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like, it feels like the apostles in Mission Impossible Fallout, where like they are made to sound like a big deal, and yet we never see any of them. And I feel like yes, four is probably going to end with we are going to see a literal table of people like that scene in Spectre of of these people sitting around and it'll probably be like a a series of like stunt cast cameos but to have the elder here yeah it just feels very messy and like it just gives him an excuse to like head back to new york and repeat what he did in the second one in some ways but i do like all the stuff with halle berry i really like that just like when santino brought him his marker and he was like no i'm i'm asking you please don't she's like don't you fucking come here like you fuck off you put that marker away and like she shoots him as soon as she sees him and stuff like that that is all really good and like that he got her daughter to safety and she refuses to know where she is because she has to kill that part of her every day that wants to know and everything this is a really good character and she doesn't die so i would expect her to come back because i think she had a good time making it she had to do a lot of dog training and and she really bonded with the dogs and everything and uh yeah it's just really good it's like a different kind of role for her where she gets to be like an actual like supreme badass she gets her own little you wait there while i reload my gun to kill you with moment the dog like jumping off her back to jump like 10 feet in the air or whatever is a little bit yeah it's over is this Halle Berry's best role since god Cloud Atlas (laughs) is Cloud Atlas a good role for her I don't know I mean, Cloud Atlas is a good movie. I'm just trying to think, because she's not good in Days of Future Past. No. I feel Storm, like, hangs over her forever, where, like, that should be her huge mainstream hit, but everyone agrees she's terrible in all of them. (laughs) She's a provably good actress. She just never... I don't know if she's picking roles badly, or if it's Hollywood's thing about women over a certain age, or it's a race thing, or what. But, yeah, she just... I feel she has really struggled to land a huge role in the last sort of decade and like she really crushed it here i think she came in as like an outsider to the franchise and like has cemented herself as a very memorable character who will probably be back and also like again everyone likes john and like you say how like you know she's one of the few people that like has a reason to dislike him but then building this past of his where he's been all over the world and he's done everything for everyone and like if if he'd never come and seen her again she'd probably be grateful for him existing or whatever like you know i'll thank you for everything you did for me but then knowing he's going to ask her to do something (laughs) that she really doesn't want to do it's like oh fuck you and like the scene where she like backwashes into the bottle and then hands it to him is that's that's funny um but like she's potentially marked for death now she just fucking killed baruda like there's a lot there that she has to clean up i just wish as good as the dog stunts are this wasn't just another this feels like another action sequence with just a hell of a lot of faceless guards who just keep showing up to show you what cool stunt work they can do yeah this is the scene this feels like a scene that was written to be in a trailer like this was i feel a lot of the trailer footage was pulled from this the dogs like being there was like a big gimmick for the trailer it's like oh cool dogs are doing things now and you know it's fun but yeah, it's kind of just as I said, it's John Wick on autopilot. Here yeah, is... I think I think the main issue with an awful lot of these fight sequences that feel like they're too long or that they don't really accomplish anything is that there's no narrative arc to them no. where 
it's just like, oh, they need to escape. I'm like, well, that's not what we want. Like, there needs to be something at the end of this, whether or not it is a big henchman or whether or not it is something at the end of this that you're trying to get to, rather than just the nebulous idea, once we've killed all the guys, we can leave this location. It feels so much, again, in this is a negative way, a video game where you're locked in a room and there are 20 henchmen you need to take out. And it's like, yeah. that's the only reason you're doing it is because there's this counter ticking down saying how many bad guys <laughs> there are left rather than something yeah. you're actually trying to accomplish. It just feels like they probably had this idea for this I think they wanted to do dogfights in, in in the second one and they just didn't get to it it feels like we want to make this fight but we don't know where to put it so we'll write some stuff around it vaguely but yeah it just doesn't feel as necessary it doesn't feel as urgent it just feels like here's Halle Berry's big fight scene here's the big dog scene that we've wanted to do forever and now off she fucks as we said like the stuff with the elder like giving it this like supernatural almost quality to it where like oh he'll find you if you just walk to the edge of the desert and keep following the north star and all this and I don't think it helps that the act they've got is like I mean the thing I recognize him most from is, is Wonder Woman and he's just not an inter- as interesting a physical presence. I think it is an issue with these movies where the members of the high table and the upper organisations just aren't that interesting actors. No. We barely touched on Santino's actor because there's just nothing really there about him. And it's the same thing with this person. And they, they spend more money, potentially wisely, on fleshing out the people who are going to be interacting with John Wick for long periods of time who have personal history with him. Yeah. But does feel like what if we do eventually get to the high table in one of these movies is it just going to be a bunch of no-name people because it's cheaper to hire your like people who are like seventh or eighth build in other movies as opposed to people who were once or could be the top of the call sheet i would love to see it be a kind of who's who of like international action stars but not in like the expendables sort of a way like some slightly deeper cuts or whatever but that's thing is i don't think we would ever get to that and it, it is mm. a shame that this is a franchise that has done so well with an awful lot of its casting and then a lot of the people who are supposed to have this sense of import or weight behind them mm. for this organization aren't that interesting presences yeah which is a shame and obviously this scene ends with john wick cutting his his finger off yeah grim grim stuff <laughs> it's grim and then he just gets Get, back to new york gets and... given a new suit as well like oh yeah we're just out in the desert in tents but here is a suit to your exact specifications <laughs> yeah and he has to make it back to new york his mission is to kill winston for i guess stepping out of line like the adjudicator already has told him he has to step down well, that's the thing but... is i don't i don't understand why the man above the table wants winston gone because he stepped out of line like is he actually part of this organization or i just i just feel i just feel one of the writers sat down did a big dive into the history of assassins and just got really just got a hard on for this like oh yeah the origins in the middle east and all this and was like yeah i'm writing all this into the movie and it just it doesn't feel like it fits and i don't want to suggest this doesn't come from colstad and maybe it was part of colstad's plan all along but it kind of feels like somebody else trying to tack something onto what they were building that was consistent yeah this feels like the original decision for this movie was to have it be a trilogy and at some point in production they decided not to and so you put in a lot of these kind of stop gappy things that are just built to extend out what the plot was logically it feels like you have Ian McShane on your car sheet the end game for this series is John versus Ian McShane in some way and maybe they set it up to be that in this movie but then that immediately goes out the window within 10 minutes of him being back in New York 
Yeah. Really. Yeah, because like you know, he he heads back, and like there is a tiny bit of resistance that he has to get to the Continental from Zero's crew, which feels wrong because if the High Table want Winston out of the way, and then the one above the table has given this order, do you not think someone would have told the High Table's people, "Hey, back off, let John do his mission"? I don't know, but like, and we've got all, we've got more murder in plain sight, but it's not as charming this time. It's far more ridiculous. And people are teleporting now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. And the, motor, the motorcycle, the motorcycle sequence as well. I do like that it ends with him crashing and getting like one hand or one finger on the. Uh, well, it's his hand and the missing finger is yeah on the step yeah. bottom step of the Continental. That is cool, but like yeah, the motorcycle stuff not into. Well, that's the thing is like they try and have it be zeros in this group of people, but they're all wearing helmets because obviously safety. But mm-hmm. it just leads to this thing where like as people are dying, you're like I don't know if any of these are zero like obviously zero is being built up to be a impressive physical specimen yeah but because they put make them all faceless and there's no defining characteristic for which one is zero mm-hmm. it just kind of deflates the entire scene here where none of them are acting better than any others and yeah. are you saying zero needed a helmet with sick flames painted onto it just or something, something <laughs> like either he doesn't wear the helmet he's got the visor up or just something that means yeah. oh i vis- a visual signifier to say this one is zero and he is being better than all his other henchmen in this scene to build up his legacy for when you get to the final yeah. fight because it does feel like just one of them randomly got to him and then he takes the helmet off and it's zero and it's like oh yeah. okay and he, it's the only time he holds a gun and stuff like that but yeah and then we get i suppose it's an attempt to repeat cassian and john just having the quiet drink when they spill into the continental because zero like sits right next to him on the sofa so john moves and he's like i am a huge fan of you and like mark dacascus has this kind of offbeat energy that is kind of funny and i i I do sort of like the beat where he's like that was a really good fight huh john and stuff like that i i I think that's good stuff but yeah it's it just feels like a lesser version and like you know the dog arrives and he says sit stay good dog and it's it feels like it's repeating when halle berry tells him to sit and he's like i was talking to you john and you feel like he's talking to zero when he says sit stay good dog we get the cameo from Penguin. <laughs> I forget that dude. Robin T- Lord Taylor, I think yes. his name is. Yes, he is uh, working in accounts payable. They deconsecrate the Continental, which means business can be conducted there. And then we get the arrival of the bulletproof troops. And Keanu says, guns, lots of guns. And Karen gets to do a fight scene. And like they have the basement full of weapons and everything. And I don't know, on some level, I want to respect them for like turning the bulletproof guards into like a puzzle in a way yes yeah i I really like that idea yeah i just don't think it quite gets there like john has to like use the concussive force of the shots to make them fall down and then get to their necks get to their eyes that sort of stuff it just i just never fully comes together for me i think it's just another case of it's a bit too long there's a few too many guys for them to kill it takes a bit too long for them all to be taken out even with the puzzle thing being fun yeah and the fact that they're all, again, just faceless guys that John is fighting on against. Yeah, and it definitely goes on for too long. And like, I do like breaking it up by having him come back and be like, 
pissed off as he has to get a bigger gun and everything. That's the thing is, I love that Lance Reddick and Ian McShane get to play comedy here. Like, they're the highlights of this entire sequence, and the ways in which John Wick is better than every other employee of the Continental is Yeah, they're all just mowed down immediately, like, oh, all these other dudes, maybe they've got a chance, and then they all just die instantly. Yeah. (laughs) John is just working through them all. But it also starts this, and I get that it is kind of mirrored in John's feelings as this entire sequence kind of stretches off and you get this kind of like four-part finale to the movie Mm. but john is obviously tired by the end of it but you're kind of bored as the audience where you could shorten this first wave you get rid of one of zero's groups of henchmen obviously you keep the raid guys yeah but and you reduce it down to three and there's stuff to recommend in every single fight that goes on here but all Mm -hmm. four of them stacked together with very little breathing room yeah and it's the entire it's like 30 minutes the movie or 20 minutes the movie isn't it it's 40 is it 40 (laughs) it's like i think it's 40 if you like the the gunfight the shinobi fight the zero fight and then the conclusion i think is about 40 minutes maybe it includes some of the 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 bike chase but yeah it's a lot and it's far too much and like you know i was excited to hear they cast these two in the movie and before he gets to fight them we get this comical sequence where like he smashes through so (laughs) many pieces of glass and they're all perfect little spherical non-sharp pieces of glass on the floor and it's a bit silly but hey it's it's slapstick it's funny and then yeah he fights the shinobis they don't get names it is chechep and yayan from the raid it kind of mirrors the kitchen fight in some ways because they immediately get the better of him and then they help him back up and it also mirrors what mad dog because i feel they have weapons that they put down although they still have knives throughout the fight don't they but there is this sort of feeling of like they are deliberately referencing those their characters in the raid and you know they help him up and they smile and then when they take him down again he's like okay back off and he like walks past them and everything and then he uses his belt as like a knife stopper type thing but yeah and it is interesting seeing him fight these people that we know in real life are like legit as hell and keanu is you know keanu is keanu but these two are insane I guess it didn't live up to my expectation and I guess I shouldn't have gone in with such a high expectation that it would be a raid level fight just because they brought these two in and maybe they helped choreograph this fight as well. I don't know, but they got their big sexy set like they did with the mirror location in two. It's this giant multi-leveled glass area um, and there's a lot of people like swinging a knife and then not seeing like a, a glass pole or something or a glass pillar and just you know he eventually beats them and it's like you know he's getting pissed off and eventually he's like right let's fucking go and he, and he beats them. Famous... It is nice that they give it the sense of honour though Yes. to the entire thing where like these are the two the two guys who he doesn't kill Yes. because it's just they're having fun they're here because they want to and in fact like the same thing with Zero like he kills is it the three guys that Zero sets on him beforehand yes like each time it gets less and less number of people who are sent after him he kills the first three and leaves these two obviously zero is left in a questionable state at the end of his fight i think he dies but famously these two were supposed to die in the script and keanu threw his weight around and was like no that i respect them too much as fighters i feel they should live he speaks to them in Indonesian, and he says they'll be seeing you. Ares and him kept saying to each other. And he says that to them, and I remember this story coming out, and it, we were talking about how like Keanu is like just this incredibly likeable guy, and you hear these stories about how The Rock has it in his contract that he can't 
ever take a punch or ever fall down or whatever. And then Keanu's like, these guys are fucking great. I want them to live. And he's like willing to get completely fucked up in this movie and in all three of these movies. I mean, obviously he wins every encounter, but he doesn't look invincible in the way that like a lot of action movies going back decades are, where it's just, they are just a giant god who cannot be beaten or whatever. And But he is that, but it just doesn't come across that way in some ways because he, he does get taken down a lot. Random henchmen do just get in a couple of hits on him and stuff like that. I just remember that as a, just contrasting what kind of a guy Keanu is with a lot of his contemporaries and like, I think Statham has a similar thing where he can't ever lose a fight in a movie or whatever. It's the entire issue with Hobbs and Shaw is you get these two guys who just can't be beaten up. And... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, we don't have a movie then. Just so protective of their brand or whatever. And Keanu's like, no, fuck this. We're making dope movies. And they do. And then he has his giant sword fight with Zero. And I don't know. With both of these, I look at them and I'm like, I feel I should react to these in a stronger way than I am because there's nothing mm. wrong with them at all, but they just are not doing it for me on the level that the big raid fights do and the red circle scene does. And I think it's because you're just so tired. I guess I am. Yeah, like it feels so much and it feels almost like it was cool that they went and sought out the guys for the raid to be in it, but it almost feels like an obligation to have a giant fight scene for them at the end. And like they needed to do something to either put these guys in at the halfway point or take out the gun scene immediately before or something. Because, yeah. The pacing just needs a bit of work to keep the momentum going. Because as, as I said at the beginning, I, I think the first 20 minutes of this movie are kind of unfuckwithable. Yeah. They're so, so good and kind of the pinnacle of John Wick as a franchise. Yeah. And then for the back half of the movie to be easily the weakest stretch. Yeah. The end of the two franchise. The, the end of two and the beginning of three are like, this is what this franchise is and should be and what I want mm. all the time. And then three just gets lost in the woods. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I'm most excited for watching this is if they ever decide to end this franchise or give us a conclusion, I think they can 100% nail it because I think they know how to do that. I just think that the plans were changed at some point in production that they were going to do a fourth movie yep. and whatever epic plan they had just fell by the wayside. So a final confrontation between John Wick and whoever the, the final villain or, or opposition is going to be. And instead you get the fanboy who has had nothing to do with anything going forward and i don't know how much of that is to lay blame on me for maybe thinking that this movie was going to feel more of a conclusion than it did or them for like keeping the franchise going when it still does have legs you can't disagree that like there should still be more john wick movies i just wish they came up with a better way to culminate this one so it felt like a progression rather than a stopgap i can't say two feels self-contained because obviously it ends on a giant cliffhanger and it it starts with an epilogue to the first movie it does yes but this one feels so middle chaptery, but not in a good way. Where it's like, this isn't as important as what came before it, and it's not as important as what's going to come afterwards. It's just continuing. It's just keeping the wheels spinning. And Winston betrays John. John yeah. with his hilarious little, like, holding the inside of the coat jacket up so he can block the bullets as he falls off the top of the building is <laughs> unintentionally Stupid. hilarious. Yeah. And I'm sorry, you would die from that fall. Like, he, <laughs> he falls so far, he bounces so hard off stuff. Winston 
gets his position back by showing strength. And he says this weird thing about, like, oh, you are the high table, but we are New York City. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, there are assassins everywhere. Anyway, yeah, he gets his position back. It remains to be seen if this is a orchestrated thing, a feint by Winston, and the only way to not get killed by the high table himself or whatever. We'll see, but yeah, like, the corpse goes missing, the dog runs off, Jason Manzoukas is wheeling him to the Bowery King, who is sitting there on his literal throne now, with his scars, and is just like, are you pissed off, John? And he says, yeah. And it's just like, what? That's your ending? What have we achieved? I think, as you said, I think they 100% can nail an ending because I'm sure they came up with the ending already or, like, they have some idea of where it's going. But I also feel they've kind of set themselves up to make four a lot of work for them because of what happens in three. Like, the stuff with the Elder and not showing the high table yet and all of this sort of stuff is kind of putting them on the back foot. And maybe they'll respond really well to that and they will go all guns blazing for four if it is the last one. I don't know. Right? Whatever ends up being the last one, I think will probably be really good. But I just hope four is a bit less. These make money now, so we have to make them more mainstream yeah, in some play, ways. Play with the cards you've put on the table and wrap some of them up. Don't necessarily bring out a second deck of cards and start dealing out new ones from that to keep it going. Well, there you go. Easily the weakest of these five films. Easily the weakest John Wick. Does start very good, like you said. And I, I, I'm exactly like you. Like, I was like really looking forward to this. I started watching. I was like, cool, look at them go. And then by the end of it, I'm like, oh, do I not like John Wick anymore? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the whole gun museum throwing knife horse spectacular is number one right for the fight scenes so if i'm doing my top three it's going to be guns and the chase through new york if we want to combine the two of those number two is going to be number two is in the library of the book yeah boban <laughs> yeah that's so good and it feels separate because obviously there's the doctor sequence in between yeah and then is it dogs or is it the the sushi chefs <laughs> like I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I feel like. I feel like I want to choose one of them, and so number three would end up being like maybe just the fight with Zero at the end, like kind yeah. of break them up into their own separate things. So they do all feel fairly segmented. Yeah, because it like, is still a good fight. It's it just, is. It comes it is. after so much else. And, like, he has a physicality about him, does Mark Dukaskis, that, like, is evident. Like, this guy, it's another person who knows his shit, but, like, he's a far more experienced actor than the guys from the raid, so, like, he is able to do both. But, yeah, it, it does have an intense physicality about it, and it is a sword fight, um, which feels a bit different. What's, what's your three, then? I'm probably with you. I'd, I'd probably go with the same top two. And then, I don't know, toss a coin between... I'll, I'll go with the Raid Boys just to, like, keep my loyalties there. But, yeah. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but... And then, top three for this franchise. Top three for the franchise, Jesus. So, we agreed Red Circle is the best from John Wick 1. Yeah. And we agreed that the Return to New York slash Cassian is the best for two. So you think this opening... The, the gun museum and the knives is the best thing in the whole franchise, don't you? Yeah, I do. That's my number one. My I... number two is Red Circle. My number three is Cassian and, and the fight through New York. I think it's fight through New York and Cassian, Red Circle, then this. Fair I think enough. this is really good. Like, just, I, I feel Red Circle was very, like, this. that blew my tiny mind. It was like, this is what John Wick is. And then I think I think that one in New York is kind of like it reaching the peak of what it is. Because it, it does incorporate that sense of, like, here's every 
everyone coming for him and look how different they all are and all the different things he has to do and here's the like secret world within the world we know and all of that is operating whereas three kind of happens in a vacuum away from everyone yeah i think my main reason for grading the fight at the beginning number three at the top is just because i vividly remember watching the the first like 20 minutes of john wick three and being sat there going like oh this might be one of my favorite movies of last year and i loved an awful lot of movies last year and i didn't get that same elation from like obviously i really liked john wick one and john wick two but that struck 20 minutes of the start of john wick three i was like oh god this might be <laughs> is this better than end game from this point on is this a movie that i'm literally going to come out with and then it ends up just diminishing over time but i can't underestimate how joyous and how much i was grinning for the first chunk of this movie I don't feel so strongly about this. I would like argue the order. Just for me, it goes two, one, three, and for you, it's three, one, two. <laughs> yeah, three, one, two, and so, but two is my. So we've favorite. both got one in the middle. Yeah, but two is my favorite of the movies. Oh, so yeah, you've got them easily. in the same order as the movies. I do as yeah. my ranking, whereas <laughs> I'm like putting the higher high of three above. I think it's really, I don't know. There's also a sense of like, it starts to feel very bombastic in three. I'm not saying it's not ridiculous in two and also one, but like the the hyper violence of the knives is so like, oh God, this is all a bit much, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think, yeah, I, I know you've just said, yeah, as in, yeah, that's good. And I kind of am with you, but I just, there's something about the magic of two. That's what I mean. Like, you, you say I've, I've put the movies with the fights. I think the thing I like most about two bleeds into that fight. And it is that making it feel like a world within the world and they're, hi- they're, they're hiding in plain sight kind of thing. And I think that being present in the fight gives it another level for me, which is why I would put it at the top. Okay. That's fine. But, yeah. And then, as one final thing before we wrap up, the ranking kitchen of all... Kitchen fight? <laughs> no, wait, you... kitchen fight number one. I was going to say, well, let's not compare and contrast these franchises. Okay. Kitchen fight is king, yeah. and then I would probably have knife fight number two, and then number three would end up being... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, get... I don't want to pick. Like, Just those are the two best for me in the franchise. Okay. But what is your ranking of all five movies that we have covered here? Oh, of course. Raid 1, John Wick 2, Raid Two, John Wick One, John Wick Three. My list is functionally the same. You just swap Raid, raid Two and John Wick One, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Raid Raid One, John Wick Two, John Wick Raid yeah. Two, John yeah. Wick Three. I guess I'm kind of rewarding the Raid Two's ambitions more than its actual execution. Whereas John Wick, it nails what it's going for. I just don't think it it can't match the highs of Raid Two. I don't know. I think Raid Two has higher highs, lower lows. Is is the thing? That's and, fair. Let's be honest, all five of these I am super down to watch at any point, pretty much. That's, Although that's three the thing, becomes a little bit of a slog towards the end, but yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, these are movies in which maybe I just want to feel like watching a fight sequence on them and I'll load them up on YouTube. Yeah. But if someone said, oh, do you want to just come sit down and watch one of these movies? I'm like, yeah, sure. These are a fun, chill out movie that I don't have to wrap my brain around too much to understand yes. what's going on. That was the beauty of the Raid one and John Wick one. But funnily, both of them did that. They they started with the most simple one-sentence pitch. The raid is just, he has to raid a tower block. Bottom to top and all of that. Like, that's so simple. John Wick 1, they kill his dog, he goes to kill them. So simple, so tight, so small, so refreshingly simple. 
and pulling clean and presenting martial arts in such a good way and, and gunplay in such a good way. And then the second ones build out their worlds. And there never was a Raid 3, but, you know, John Wick 3 then becoming, like, the big commercialised version of it in some ways, where it feels so just like, this is now a franchise, as opposed to this is a story, like a big story we're telling that has distinct points it just becomes like ah, here's a big john wick and i hope the fourth one doesn't feel like here's another john wick i hope it ends it because keanu can't keep doing this forever as much as i would love to see a john wick movie every two years i realize i shouldn't get one every two years yeah he's doing matrix 4 at the same time no idea if that's an end end point or if it's going to carry on onwards but we'll see well Well, there we go we did the the kicky punchy men that gets us to 98 episodes together how do you feel that's insane that that two years of our lives yeah, we it's really put up some numbers, didn't we? Yeah, we got to fight Kevin Ford and Jerome Kisson. We've got to get those those big numbers up. So at the 99th recording will be our little intro to There Will Be Movies, Volume 2, which will begin in earnest with our 100th episode together. As with Volume 1, we will just go over some of the ground rules and sort of say up front what has been disqualified, etc, etc. It will probably be 5 to 10 minutes long. But yeah, There Will Be Movies, Volume 2, very excited to do 2010 to 2019. I think we still want to do something special for yeah. the episode, even, even if it isn't the original plan that we we had because of social distancing and all that we might still do a version of it numbers achieved kicky punchy man i'm glad that i did this because it meant i got to actually watch the john wick movies yeah which i hadn't and, done before this year and it got the raid off the board for you so that's good and also yeah. uh we considered doing episode six as atomic blonde but we didn't and i, I should probably watch atomic blonde at some point and uh, I, i'm intrigued for you to watch atomic blonde i also need to interrogate you on your opinions on good time after you drop that earlier on I did. Thank you for listening. Go to endthrillworld.com. Do look out for There Will Be Movies Volume 2 very soon. I'm very excited. I enjoyed Volume 1 a great deal. Look out for that. I have been Matt. He has been Ben. Can't believe this one is an hour, but maybe it won't be after editing. Bye, everyone. Bye. How many people are sick of holding back?